I don't know about you, but I can't watch that video without crying, and I already watched it once today. Uh, in fact, I might need a Kleenex. <laughs> that video is going to touch on some of the things that we're talking about today. But it's also important for you to understand because as a, blossom, a blossoming almost Southern Baptist Church, <laughs> we're getting there. This is our International Mission Board, and this is what over 4,000 International Board missionaries that are sent all over the world are doing every day, and it's not always easy. You could see the emotion there of the days and weeks and months and, and sometimes even years of sharing the gospel in a resistant culture. We live in a resistant culture. We live in a resistant culture here. Uh, the message that we're called to carry. I love um, what the one young lady said. She said, the power of salvation is not in our hands. But you know what power is in your hands? Jesus said, go, therefore, and make disciples. That was his command. That was the thing he said to do. It was our job to go. It was our job to speak life. The power of salvation rests in Christ's hands. It rests in the power of the Holy Spirit to transform a heart. It rests in the, in the throne of God. It doesn't rest with you or with I, but the power to tell, the power to speak, the power to share does reside in us. And, and God gave it to us and he said, this is something for you. And so as we kind of enter this fall leading into winter season and Operation Christmas Child wraps up, we enter a new season, brand new for you because you've never done this before. But in Southern Baptist circles, we have a couple of mission offerings every year. And one of them is this time of year. It's called the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. Lottie Moon, weird, sounds weird, was the name of a young lady a young Southern Baptist who went by ship to China back in the day when you said goodbye to your family and got on a boat and sailed halfway around the world planning to never come back. And in fact, she did die in China. And she's buried there today. And her legacy lives on. And so the offering is named after her. And so I'm going to start showing IMB videos so we can find out how International Board missionaries serve and love and share the gospel, how the money that we're going to collect as a church through this season of the Christmas offering is going to be spent because what, what we give as a church, 100% of that offering goes overseas. They don't take any of the Lottie Moon Christmas offering for administrative costs. What we give on Sundays, we're going to begin to give 6%. Some of that goes to administrative. That, that 6% goes to uh, North American missions, world missions, disaster relief, seminaries, a lot of different things. And, and some of the costs for administration come out of that. But what we give at Christmas time, 100% of that goes to the field to share the gospel through missionary families. Um, many of you know we were missionary families like that for eight years in Poland. So Every time we watch videos like this, I told Lydia after the, she, she and I cried through the first video this morning, I, I, I leaned over and I said, the other one's going to make you cry too. Um, I can't watch these without getting emotional. Um, and it's not because they're good storytellers, which they are, 
Uh, IMB has a, a, a film team and editors that are amazing at going out and capturing the story and presenting it in a way uh, that's compelling. Uh, and this year they've outdone themselves. They've turned a corner. They're doing it different and new. So I'm excited about what we're going to be seeing. Um, I hope that you don't just entertain it as a little five-minute movie on Sunday morning, but that you allow the Spirit to speak through these videos to touch your heart. Because it just might be that he's calling you to do more than open up your pocketbook. He might be opening uh, a door for you to walk through into international mission service. So you're, you're never old enough to do that. Uh, when we were, how old was, was Patsy and Juanita that won our teams? 65. So we had 65-year-old single women, a couple of them, come and join our team for two years. Um, so if you're younger than that, you probably can go overseas. <laughs> uh, and, and if you're not younger than that, you can go with the church if we do a volunteer mission trip at some point. I, I would encourage us to, to get, begin to pray and consider that. So let's get started. Uh, we're going to be in Mark 2, it should say 1 through 12. That's all right. If you'll turn to that, it's going to be on page 488. But I want to start by asking you a question because we're, we're talking about forgiveness this week. Uh, we're going through the habits of Jesus to see that if we can come to understand from Scripture what the habits of Christ look like, that we can begin to emulate them in our own lives and by doing so become more like Christ because that's what we're called to do. That's what we're compelled to do is become more Christ-like as the Spirit does its work in us day to day, week to week. We shouldn't progress one day forward without being a little bit more like Christ than we were the day before. So as we progress through this, we're going to be talking about Jesus' habit um, of of uh, forgiving others. That's the phone number for this. I, I, I meant to mention it, probably not put it up this week. It's okay, put it in your phones. This series I've discovered isn't really raising up a bunch of questions. It's pretty cut and dried. Um, I think we're going to suspend the phone number thing until the next series because I, I, I have a series coming up that's going to really uh, cause some questions. So, uh, But if you happen to have a question, you can type it in your phone, send it to me. Uh, if we have time at the end of the message, I'll go ahead and answer that. But I want to know today, do you have any trouble letting go of things? Are there hurts? Are there disappointments? Or are there wrongs in your life that you struggle to let go of? I read an article this week. You might have read it with me. I don't always go to, I, I have different apps on my phone, and I don't always read all of the news apps, but I just happened to, out of the blue this week, go to the USA Today app. I thought it would be interesting. I hadn't read the news on there in a while, so I started reading. I read an article, not being political here, so I'm not, I'm not taking any political stand on any of this. I just This is just what the article said. It was an article about a book that Michelle Obama wrote, and in it she said, I will never forgive Donald Trump because he put our family in danger. And then, of course, they asked Donald Trump, what do you think? And he said, oh, I will never forgive Obama. He didn't talk about her, but he talked about her husband because of the danger he put us in in our military, and it just kind of struck me how flip we are at saying things like, I will never forgive somebody. That might be the most dangerous thing you can say. Just kind of put that out for, just let that float in the room and think about it. 
as we go through this because we are all surrounded by stories of unforgiveness, aren't we? I mean, if you spend any time on social media, you can read stories about people who are not willing to forgive. Uh, if you watch the news, if you uh, take time to listen to what other people are saying around you, you'll see that people are, are in a very unforgiving state. There's this cost to unforgiveness, and the cost of an unforgiving spirit is that it eats you up from the inside. You ever felt that? Something you held on to for years, whether it was a struggle or a hurt, a disappointment, a wrong, whatever it is, and it eats you up from the inside. As we look at Jesus' habit of forgiveness today, I hope that we'll see again that there's a different way. Again, I, I, I referred to this a couple weeks ago as a Jesus way. There's a Jesus way that is worth giving up everything for. It's even worth giving up our hurts and our wrongs and our disappointments. And sometimes those things are the hardest to part with, aren't they? So especially if you've been holding a grudge for five years or 10 years or 15 or 20 or 30, sometimes the hurts can be the hardest things to let go of. So let's start today by taking a, taking a look at the word forgive. Got a couple definitions here. The first one is to stop feeling angry or resentful towards someone for an offense, a flaw, or a mistake. Um, it's kind of partway there, isn't it? It's kind of getting at it. But let's take a look at this, this next definition. To cancel a debt. So we're going to kind of look at these two together today. As the first thing we see is that there's two definitions. We're not talking about two kinds of forgiveness here. Um, I think if we take a look at them together and we combine them with the stories of Christ and his teachings, we'll see a better picture of forgiveness. What I want us to understand is that there are a couple of kinds of authority in forgiveness that we talk about, and I think these will become obvious as we begin to read. Take a look at Mark chapter 2, and we're going to take a look at what Jesus' habit of forgiveness looked like. The first thing is Jesus had the authority. We need to understand he had the authority to forgive sin that kept people separated from God. So we're going to read a story out of Matthew, I'm sorry, Mark 2, starting in verse 1, it says, And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was home. Many were gathered there so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could got, not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let the bed down on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus immediately, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed, and walk? But that you may know, the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose immediately, picked up his bed, and went out before them all, so that they were amazed and glorified God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. You remember the scripture Faith read a moment ago, echoed this in verses 7 and 8 of Matthew 9. It says, The paralytic rose, he went home, and when the crowd saw it, they were afraid and glorified God 
who had given such authority to men. You see, God had placed in Christ the authority to forgive sin that separated us from God. That's one kind of authority to forgive sin. So when we talk about forgiving your brother in a minute, that's not the kind of authority we're talking about. You do not have the authority to cleanse somebody's sin so that they may pass from death into life. That belongs to God. So when I say you need to forgive your brother, you need to forgive your wife, you need to forgive your parent, you need to forgive your child, I am not telling you you have the authority to forgive them and now they get to go to heaven. That's not what we're talking about. So you see there's two different kinds of authority here. First thing I want you to ga- gather here <clears throat> excuse me, is that Jesus had the authority to bring us out of death and into life. Have you ever been or are you now in debt? Do you know what debt feels like? There's different kinds of debt, right? You know, you, you, you maybe you have a credit card, you put a little on it each month, and then you pay it off at the end of the month. That's one kind of debt. You carry it for a couple weeks, you pay it off, it's gone. It's another kind of debt altogether when you like buy a house, right? You sign 15 years, you sign 30 years, and you know that that bill is coming. Every month, once, once a month, that bill comes. It's another thing altogether if you have five or 10 credit cards that are maxed out, and a house, and a couple car payments, and it keeps, you know, just in college, and it just keeps piling on. Debt can become stifling, can't it? Has anybody ever been in that situation where we, you, were, you were surrounded by stifling debt, stifling debt you could never repay? What does that feel like? What does that feel like? Slavery. Slavery. I like that. Slavery. That doesn't feel good. Anybody else, what does it feel like? Hopeless. Yeah. Like you can't, anybody ever been there where it's like, you feel like you can't breathe? You can't breathe because the debt's so heavy. That is the kind of feeling we should have (laughs) about the sin in our life. And in fact, many of us, before we came to faith in Christ, or if you're now on a journey to coming to faith in Christ, you may feel that level of stifleness. I don't know if that's a word or not. Permeating your life, but I like it. It sounds good. You're, you're, you have this weight on you. You can't breathe. You don't know what's going to happen. You're not sure. What if I die? You ask that question to yourself. If I die today, what's going to happen? And you're like, I don't know. Maybe there's some fear. You ever been in debt and you were afraid? Maybe when you weren't sure you could pay or you knew you couldn't? There's fear, real, palpable, life-robbing fear. The payment required for the debt of sin is death. It's a stifling weight, and it's a weight that none of us can repay on our own. It really is a death sentence. It's a payment that must be made because our own life is separated eternally from God. God is holy, sin is not, and the two cannot coexist. There's nothing we have in our power to change this. But then Jesus spoke that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority to forgive sin. Son, your sins are forgiven. Take your bed, go home, and walk again. That's what he wants to say to each of us. Not about our physical ailments, but about our spiritual ailment. Because he has the authority. I don't have the authority. A priest 
doesn't have the authority. Some man-made construct or, or series of rules or laws or, or principles or hoops to jump through. There's, there's no amount of things you can do to earn forgiveness before a father who's holy. The only thing you can do is throw yourself at his feet in mercy and say, Lord, God, forgive me on the basis of what your son Jesus Christ did for me. His blood shed on the cross. His death, his burial. The fact that he carried my sin on his shoulders. That's what gives him the authority to forgive. Because God was pleased to place all of the sin of all mankind for all time on Christ on the cross and let him die. To turn from him at that last moment. You know, Jesus was in the, in the garden and he had that moment with God and the guys kept falling asleep and he's like, God, if you, could, if you could just take this away from me, Father. I know it's coming, but if you could just take it away. He had a human moment. It wasn't, it wasn't weakness, it was humanness. He's like, I know I got to go through this, but if there's another way, and God said, there isn't another way, and Jesus went to the cross and the Father turned his back on Christ at that moment because all the sin of the world had been placed on him and God and sin can't coexist. And Christ died. He carried that stifling, life-robbing weight of sin on himself on the cross. And he took it to the grave for you. And he took it for me. And he rose again. And because that, he has the authority to say, son, daughter, your sins are forgiven. So that's one kind of authority we talk about here in Scripture. Christ has the authority to forgive sin that separate us from God. But as we continue to kind of unpack in a moment this idea of forgiveness from Scripture, there are three things I want us to look at as we discuss how we can see the forgiveness that Christ offers us come alive in our own lives so that we can offer forgiveness to others. Again, a different kind of forgiveness, though, not the forgiveness of sin that keeps you from God, but the the, the sin or the hurt or the brokenness or the wrong that keeps us from a right relationship with one another. So let's take a look at this. I want to answer the question, why should I forgive anyone? Because you might be like, why? you ever ask that? Why should I forgive him? He wouldn't do the same for me. She wouldn't do that for me. People all over the world say that all the time. I'm not going to forgive them. Why would I forgive them? They've wronged me. Let's take a look at Matthew 18. This is going to be in... Uh, page 481, Matthew 18, 21, and then hold on to that for a minute. I'm only going to read two verses, but then we're going to come back to it, and we're going to read a little bit more. Uh, Matthew 18, 21 and 22, says, and Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Peter was hoping it was as little as seven. <laughs> as many as seven times, Jesus said to him, I do not say you seven times, but 77 times, which is to say, stop counting, Peter. Stop counting, Peter. Peter was hoping maybe he could get a little stick and a knife or something. Is like, count it, all right, okay. Uh, James and John, I'm sick of those two. Can you imagine the three of those guys? They must have really had, I mean, because James and John were sons. They even had nicknames. Sons of thunder, always shooting off at the mouth. Of course, Peter was pretty bad at shooting off at the mouth. They must have had some disagreements, and, uh, and Peter was probably thinking of James and John when he asked that question. So 
It's like, how many more times do I have to forgive these boneheads? And Jesus is like, well, can you remember up to 77? And Peter's like, no. And he said, well, let's call it 77 then. But what he really meant was is you, you always have to forgive. It's consistent. It's constant. The, the command of Christ is that there should be no limit to the amount of forgiveness that you're willing to give to another person. Jesus gave us this authority for those who sin against us, as well as a command to do so, because do you see, he said to do it. And in, in Ephesians 4, 32, Peter references something a little slightly different, but I want to hit it real quick. He says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as Christ, as God in Christ forgave you. Paul raises the bar here. He's in essence saying, why do you forgive? You forgive because you needed forgiveness. Your sin, your separation, your, your, your sense of, of unrightness with God was so great that I had to send my son to die for you. I showed you such great love, and because of that love, now I command that you show that love to others. God's love was not limited in that he gave his only son. Our forgiveness is not limited predicated on the fact that God did it for us first. God forgave first. Therefore, we forgive. Our ability to forgive others is commanded by Christ, but it's also first upon the forgiveness he's given us. This means, listen, if you struggle to forgive, you need to ask yourself, do I really know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? I'm just going to throw that out there. I'm not going to soften it because that's what scripture says if we struggle to forgive there's probably an issue between you or i and the father if i can't seem to forgive somebody for a wrong against me then there's an issue between me and the father because we should forgive because he first forgave us and are the things between us and the father pretty bad yeah Maybe you don't realize how bad. Maybe you never thought about how bad, but they're pretty bad. They're as bad as they can be. So first, we forgive because we've forgiven. Second, let's go back to Matthew 18 again. Secondly, there's a connection between the forgiveness we've received from the Father and whether or not we forgive others. Let's continue reading starting in verse 23. It says, therefore, the, he tells a parable here. Jesus says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed 10,000 talents, a great deal of money. Since he could not pay his master, ordered him to be sold with his wife and children, all that he had, and payment to be made. When the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave the debt. Just a moment. Stick your finger there. That's a picture of what God did for us. He forgave a debt you couldn't pay back in a lifetime, in 10 lifetimes. This is a picture of, of what God the Father has done for each of us. Paid off a debt that could have resulted in us being <laughs> in hell. Because the only way to pay for that debt is through our own death. Because the wages of sin is death. What, what sin earns 
as death. Have patience with me and I will pay you everything out of pity. The master of the servant released him and forgave the debt. That's what the father will do for each one of us who call on him and call him Lord and Savior and repent. But when that same servant went out, listen, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, a very, very small amount of money, and seizing him began to choke him saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused. He went ahead and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. And when the fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. They went and reported to their master all that had taken place. The master summoned him and said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had the mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? In his anger, the master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from the heart. Wow. There's a connection between our willingness to forgive and the father's willingness to forgive us, isn't there? And there's a connection about our willingness to forgive and whether God's really changed our heart, whether we've really invited him into our lives to be our Lord and Savior, whether we're really living for him. There's a connection such to the, to the degree that we have to ask ourselves if we're not willing to forgive, are we not really the Father's child? Do we really belong to him if we can't muster up the, the forgiveness for something that against all of the sin of all of mankind and all the world is very, very small. And in fact, is still very small when compared to all of our sin against the Father. If we're not willing to forgive something which is small after we have been forgiven something which is big, Scripture says we've got a love problem, and that's the third point. There's a connection between forgiveness and love. Page 505 in the Pew Bibles, Luke 7. We're going to look at it here real quick. Luke 7, starting in verse 36. Page 505. It says, one of the Pharisees asked, this is Jesus again, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him and went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment and standing behind him at his feet weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what sort of woman this is and who is touching him. For she is a sinner. Remember, he had a habit of hanging out with people who were sinners. Jesus answered, saying to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. And he tells the parable. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and another 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. 
You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Why do we forgive? Because a father who loved us, loved us enough to send his son. We should love him greatly. And maybe the fact that we're unwilling to forgive sometimes says more about our love for the father than anything else. Maybe we need to return and, and look again, where did we come from? We need to look backwards and remember ourselves. Take a look in the mirror. Take a look in your heart. What's really there? How do I really feel? How do I really think? What was I like before I met the Father? And be reminded to see how far the Father has taken us in changing us from what we were into what He wants us to be. If we're not willing to give it, uh, to, to forgive, it says a lot about our, our heart. His father says, those who are forgiven much will love much. Those forgiven little will forgive little. And this really shines a light on how we feel about the father if we're not willing to understand how much he's done for us. Maybe it's because we're out of touch with the immensity of the sin that we've been forgiven. The wages of sin is death. If you are in Christ, if you have met Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you've confessed Him as Lord, you believe in your heart God raised Him from the dead and He saved you, you've been saved uh, from a death sentence. You've been brought out of the old and into the new, from death into life, from darkness into light. That's something to be happy about. I mean, that's something to be thrilled about. That's something to go talk about. That's the gospel. That's the good news. We talked about that last week, right? What is the gospel? And we, we talked about it, and we talk about sharing it, and we talk about talking about it. And you should be talking about it to yourself. Anybody ever heard that? Before you go share the gospel, you should share it with yourself. Preach the gospel to yourself. We should be talking about that when we're together in church. We should be having gospel conversations with one another in the church, such that when we go out in the community, we have gospel conversations with people out there. Because if we don't realize how much we've been saved from, then the love of the Father is not in us when we go out of here. We share little because we love little, because we don't understand what the Father's done for us. We should be itching to get out of here and not because we want to go to lunch we should be itching to get out of here because we want to go talk to somebody. We want to go share with somebody. We want to go see somebody and tell them about what Christ has done for us. And I think that this whole focus on forgiveness today really shines a light on why as a church, and I mean that as a big C church, not little C church here, but big C church universal, why the church many times isn't doing anything, isn't sharing the gospel, isn't penetrating the darkness in the community because we've forgotten how much God loved us. We, we've forgotten the immensity of the forgiveness that we've been shown. If we could reconnect with that, 
You know, it, it, it says in Scripture uh, to, to work out your salvation, right? And in, in another place it says, go back to your first love. We need to, we need to go through that in our heads again. Talk to the Father again and remember that day of our salvation. Remember what it felt like to have that stifling debt. The debt you couldn't pay. Not a financial debt, but a spiritual debt. The fear, the hopelessness, the shortness of breath maybe. Wondering what's going to happen next. There's people all around us, they feel like that today. They're, they're at home and they're trying to fill it with football or they're beers or whatever i mean we could go on and make a list of all the things people are trying to fill those holes with but only one thing will fill that void and that's jesus christ only one thing will will shine light in the darkness and that's a relationship with christ and if we're not willing to forgive we need to reconnect with the father and say father a light new a new in me a fire remind me of of where i came from and, and, and send me out of this place into the places I live and I work and I play with a new boldness. A boldness not based on, you know, putting your shoes on and pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and being strong, but a boldness based on what God's already done for you. I love the video. I just found that this morning, the IMB one, where she said the salvation that God has for people is not under your control. Pressure's off, in other words. You're worried about, can I go out and share the gospel? Can I go out and, and tell the story of Jesus Christ and what he's done for me? Yeah, you can do that. It's your story. Tell your story. Don't tell somebody else's story. If you know Christ and Christ is Savior, you have a story. Just like the little, not, well, she's not that little. She's little to me, but just like the girl in the video from Brazil. She had a, a redemption story, a death to life story. I love the way they call that. If you're in Christ, you have a death to life story. And you can share it because it's based on what's happened to you. So action plan, we always come back to this. What's our action plan as we move forward and we're trying to see these habits come alive in us. We want to see the habit of forgiveness come alive in us. There's, there's two things I want you to think about. The first one, based on what we've talked about today, based on your the way you feel about forgiving others, whether you will or won't, based on that, ask yourself this question. Have I received forgiveness from the Father through Jesus Christ? Am I His? Because our desire to forgive and our willingness to forgive says a lot about whether we're in Christ or not. If we are in Christ... He is in us. We are in Him. We are walking with Him. There should be no trouble forgiving. Even the worst thing that could happen to us, the Father will give us the grace and the mercy to forgive. That doesn't mean be a doormat. That doesn't mean put yourself into harm's way over and over and over again. There's a difference between forgiving and being stupid, right? Don't be stupid. Be smart, but forgive. How many times? as many as necessary. Ask the Father today to forgive you and save you from your sin. If you've never done that, here's a barometer. I love it when the scripture gives out barometers, things that we can look at in our own life to judge, where am I spiritually? This is a barometer. Am I willing to forgive people that wrong me? Yes? 
that's a good indication that you're in Christ. No. (laughs) Maybe time to have a talk with the Father. Second thing. Have you forgiven others? Have you let go of past hurts, wrongs, and disappointments? I don't know what they are, but you do. I've struggled with some in my own life. And we probably all have because we have mothers and fathers. I don't know why, but it seems like there's always some mother or father issue. Most people have something. My poor kids, I wonder what theirs are, right? And you wonder, you think, oh, we were good parents. Our kids don't have any issues. (laughs) Right. We all have stuff, right? We all make mistakes. We all disappoint. We all have hurts. We've hurt people and they've hurt us. We've wronged them and they've wronged us. We've disappointed them. They've disappointed us. If you don't know what I'm talking about, ask the Father to reveal it to you. Because there's probably something there. And it may be causing behaviors. It may be causing ways of acting out. It may be be causing the the way you speak to change around different... I mean, there's, there's just a wide variety of ways an unforgiving spirit will make itself present in your life. Scripture in Hebrews calls it a root of bitterness. They'd be bitter about something and it's a root and it goes down deep and it's a cancer and it it affects everything in your life. So I'm asking you today, go before the Father and say, Father, help me root out the root of bitterness. Help me dig it up. Help me find in me those things that I'm holding on to, the hurts, the wrongs, the disappointments from the past, and truly forgive that person. Let it go. Cancel the debt. Remember, there's two kinds of authority. The Father has the authority through the Son to forgive sin in us that separates us from God, that we can now go and be with the Father in heaven. But He gives us an authority over sin against us by others. Don't waste that. Don't squander that. Be active in forgiving one another. Ask him today, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can't, some don't just rise immediately to the surface, say, Father, show me. What am I, what am I ignoring? I want to forgive. I want to walk in you. I want the quality of my forgiveness to be shown uh, at the same level as the love you showed me. And maybe that's part of what keeps us from sharing the gospel sometimes and having gospel conversations. So we're so caught up in our own root of bitterness. We're so caught up in our own things and our own problems and our own wrongs and our hurts and our disappointments. We can't break out of our own head and our own heart to see the immensity of what God's done for mankind that we could go out and be that person that shares, that person that talks. That person, remember, share your story. Share your story. Here's who I used to be. Here's how the Father through Christ reached me. Here's who I am now. That's an easy story to tell who I was, how I met God, who I am now. God gets the glory. The Father holds the keys of salvation in His hand. You don't have to worry about that. You just have to tell your story. That you do have to worry about. That's on you. It's a command. Go, therefore, make disciples. First, find out if you're his. Second, forgive. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that as we process this today, Lord, that you, you'll help us to wrangle through these, these, these couple of things we talked about. Is Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior? Lord, I pray that now, even in our seats, right where we at, right, 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 where, right where we're at, no matter how long we've been a Christ follower, it's always a good question. It's always good to say, okay, Lord, how are we doing? How, how am I doing? What's the quality of my following right now? Am I following you? Am I living for you? Do I know you? Lord, we know Scripture says there's a time that's going to come when everybody stands before you and some of the people that stand before you are going to say, we are yours, we did this and we did that and we did the other. We did all these things for you and you're going to say, depart, I don't know who you are, I don't recognize you. Lord, I don't want to be one of those people. That shouldn't, Lord, call our salvation into question, but it should make what we're talking about very serious. Lord, I pray that each one of us today We'll work through our salvation again with you. We're reminded of the day that we accepted you as Lord and Savior, the day we cried out to you for salvation, the day we repented of our sins, the day we turned from those and began to, to walk in a new way and in a new light as a new person. Lord, for some of us, maybe that could be this moment right now if we come before you and say, Lord, save me. Forgive me, I want to turn from my own sin and I want to follow you and walk in the light. Lord, make me a new creation. I believe that Jesus Christ carried my sin debt and the sin debt of everyone on the cross and he died for it. Lord, I believe in that. And I'm trusting in that. I'm trusting in that to save me, Lord. Please save me through that. So maybe as we sit here and we, we examine that, we... We, we either commit today, Lord, to follow you anew, or we're reminded of the steps of coming to faith in Christ that we've, we've experienced in the past, and we, we're, we're working through and thinking through with you about the maturity and the steps of growth we've seen along the way. And Lord, those are, those are good things. That's the starting point. But Lord, also... Help us to, to be honest with ourselves. Maybe we're following you. Maybe we've been following you for five years or 20 or 60 or 70 or longer. But maybe there's some bitterness. Maybe there's some unforgiveness. Maybe there's some wrongs or some hurts or some disappointments that we go back to. Sometimes, Lord, we like to put on a sad song and remember an old wrong, for some reason it makes us feel good. I don't know why it's sick. It's wrong. It's broken. Lord, you want us to be clean and whole and fresh, newly filled with the Spirit, repetitively, repeatedly filled with the Spirit, showered with your mercy and grace. Lord, do that for us today. Fill us again. Put within us a clean heart. And Lord, renew in us this spirit of forgiveness. May we learn from those who came before us when Peter asked how many times and you, you kind of in a joking way asked, well, how many do you think, seven, 77? Lord, you know what you meant. And we know as well that you meant unlimited. 
Lord, help us to forgive. When we lack the, the ability, Lord, we just have to put it at your feet and at your altar. And we ask, Lord, for the strength to forgive those who have wronged us, those who have disappointed us, and those who have hurt us. Lord, give us the strength to forgive those today, to put them at your altar and leave them, to walk away from them and into the light, into a new way of living, free from the burden of carrying unforgiveness, into a hope, into a peace, and into a love that never fades, never spoils, never perishes. Lord, I pray that you do that in our hearts. And we pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ.